We are back with another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. A division rival wants to trade for Salvador Perez. Should the Royals be interested in a former Royal for a reunion? And can these Royals compete with the Twins after what we saw in 2023? That's all coming up next on Lockdown Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15. That's at J O H N Y J underscore one. Five. And be sure to catch all of these episodes uh, wherever you get your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper, and I always love giving you my fantasy picks, and I really don't think there's a better game to pick than the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves, but we'll talk about them coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes or so. If this is your first episode ever tuning in to Locked On Royals, of course, welcome in. And I'm a diehard Royals fan, as I'm sure you are if you're tuning in to this episode. I now work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a morning show on ESPN Kansas City. I've got a night show once a week on Sports Radio 810 WHB. So you ever want to get my thoughts on things that do not involve the Royals or maybe a little bit of Royals sprinkled in, you can always go check me out on there. But when you tune into this podcast... It is all Royals baseball. We bring you the breaking news. We bring you daily content. As you heard from our intro, it's going to be daily. You know, we've got five days a week. We've got five podcasts to cover every single week leading up to the winter meetings. Then once we get to the winter meetings, we're going to drop back for a few months to about three episodes a week. Now, that can always change. Uh, Royals sign somebody. Royals make a big trade. And it's on a day that we're not expecting to do a podcast. We may do a, a just out of the blue type of podcast. We may give you a YouTube short, but follow me on Twitter. Follow this account if you want all things Kansas City Royals. You want the breaking news. You want thoughts. You want opinions. That's what you're going to get right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And even though it's a slow off season, even though uh, it's going to be a while before we see the Royals really do anything with significance, I mean, you're going to have to wait till the postseason ends. You're going to have to wait probably closer to winter meetings. They may have a signing here or there before December. Maybe you might see something in November. But for the most part, they're going to be quiet. And then once winter meetings ramp up, that's when guys start get, start getting signed. That's when guys start getting traded because all of those general managers, a lot of personnel meet uh, down there to go and discuss opportunities, discuss trades, and discuss you know, certain free agents. And sometimes that's when managers are let go. Managers are hired. I mean, December really, despite it being in the middle of the offseason for baseball, it's kind of when you get that taste again of baseball being right around the corner. But November's a really quiet month. You know, postseason baseball is going on. Once we hit November, there may be tiny signings. There may be a little bit of uh, budging. There might be talks. There might be rumors. But it's probably going to be quiet. At least that's my guess. However, with it being in the middle of postseason baseball, we still got some news yesterday. 
And I think it's news that we talked about surprisingly on Monday, um, but we kind of just threw it against the wall. Um, I really didn't have much behind it. I didn't know how serious this team was, but it sounds like they're pretty serious. And let me quit uh, tiptoeing around the actual point. The Chicago White Sox are interested in trading for Salvador Perez and not just throwing it against the wall, not just maybe seeing how it goes. According to multiple articles, and I got this right in front of me from LB Trade Rumors, the Chicago White Sox front office has discussed two former Royals, actually, and identified veteran Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield as two potential offseason targets. And the front office has discussed the possibility of trading for Perez and signing Merrifield at length. And at length in, in air quotes, if you will. Getz and manager Pedro Gafal are quite familiar with both players and have worked with them in the Royals organization. So Grandal is reaching free agency and 25-year-old Corey Lee didn't really get a full season at the big league level. Uh, joined the White Sox uh, after a couple of trades, and he was up in the big league roster around late August and September. But they need a catcher, and they've got that connection. And I would say Salvador Perez's closest coach uh, in the big leagues has always kind of been Pedro Grafal. Now, I'm just assuming maybe that's wrong. Maybe he was super close with Mike Tosar, but also Mike Tosar's with the White Sox organization. Um, so to me, this is where the Royals really need to listen. And don't get me wrong. The Royals and White Sox are bitter rivals. They don't like each other. Uh, so this would be quite the trade if it happened, if J.J. Piccolo and John Sherman discuss this and go, we're going to eat this money on the contract, send him to Chicago, a team we dislike, and then you got to face him 13 times next year. Uh, that would be pretty tough to stomach. Uh, that would be a hard sight to see for Salvador Perez in a rival uniform to go and play against you. You also have to take into account here, if Chicago's giving you a good offer, and I mean a significant offer, if you're going to eat $15 million on that contract and you trade Salvi to Chicago, you have to get a pretty big return. And if Chicago's offering that, for an aged mid-30s Salvador Perez, you do have to jump on that. There's also a chance, let's keep this in mind, there is a chance Salvi says 10-5 rights, not going anywhere. But we saw the trade deadline last year. He was willing to waive them if it meant it was best for the organization. He doesn't want to leave the Royals in shambles. He doesn't want to leave Kansas City. But if it was a better move for him to go elsewhere and get prospects in return, young guys in return, he would be willing to waive it. Now, we all thought Miami makes the most sense. Uh, he's got the ties there. He's got the connections there. He works out there in the offseason. I'm just saying don't rule out Chicago. Uh, he has a lot of close friends on that team. And I've also believed with Chicago – he would blend in really well with that group. And that's a group that's been needing a Salvador Perez for three years. Uh, you may not like Salvador Perez as a defender, as an offensive talent. Don't know how you could argue offensive talent. I mean, prior to last year, he's one of the best offensive catchers in the game. Pure power, has the most power of any catcher in all of baseball. But Chicago's needed that leadership. They've needed that fun-loving guy in the clubhouse to ease the tension make it a little bit easier to play. The locker room's not as tense, not as high pressured. 
and they need that. And I think Chicago knows they need that. No, they're not going to get great defense, but if Salvi bounces back, they really hit a, a big time gold mine and getting a 34 year old catcher that can run into 30 to 35 home runs because Chicago wants to build that lineup on power. It just really feels like this is something you need to take seriously. If Chicago's talked about this at length, about adding Perez and adding Merrifield, reassembling the 2018 to 2021 Royals or 2022 Royals, I think it's something you need to consider. Now, if they're not giving you what you want, and Chicago, they've got a decent system. They kind of reloaded it a little bit, but it used to be one of the best in baseball. But if they're willing to part ways with a handful of guys and maybe a major league talent or two, that's something you jump on. I really think it, it should be because also keep in mind, you know, Salvador Perez isn't going to finish his career in Chicago if he was to be traded. I mean, who knows how many years left Salvador Perez has. And the Royals, we discussed this on Monday, have to identify where they're at. If you feel like you can win this coming year, not next year, this coming year, if you feel like you can compete into September, which is what J.J. McCullough said he wants to do, give fans a reason to come to Kauffman Stadium in September, well, Salvador Perez is going to be a big part of that. Uh, he is somebody that you need to get to that threshold. Call me crazy. Say it, you, that's not going to matter as much with a 34-year-old catcher or a 35-year-old catcher. If he returns to form and he runs into 30 to 35 home runs, that is going to get you in that ballpark, especially if he can stay healthy all year and he can be a middle-of-the-bat type of lineup. Trading him to Chicago makes things difficult. If this was Miami talking, I think the Royals would be at like 60 65% to trade him. Chicago makes things a lot more difficult because I don't think the Royals want to see Salvi 13 times a year, 14 times a year, even if the White Sox are going to be basement dwellers in the AL Central. I don't think they want to see Salvador Perez there, but it's worth considering. There's a lot of Royals influence now in the White Sox organization. Pedro Grafal, Chris Getz is now the GM. They've got Mike Tosar over there. There is Royals influence, which is why I think they want Salvador Perez in that lineup. And if they give you a haul in return, I'm not sure it would be a haul based off of last season, but I think it's something you got to listen to a little bit. If this was just throwing it against the wall, a rumor, different story. To hear that Chris Getz and the White Sox have talked about this in length, that's when things become interesting. So we'll see how it plays out leading up to the winter meetings in December. All right, the next thing we're going to dive into is on the Royals side of things. And we're going to talk about Miami. Jorge Soler had a bad finish to his career in Kansas City. But is there a chance he can come back? J.J. Picole wants a corner outfield bat. And Jorge Soler would fit that mold. Is it possible? We'll tell you next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuned into Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today in Sleeper. And I've got two fun picks tonight for game four of the National League Divisional Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies have Atlanta on the brink of elimination. Another 100-win team could be going home before the championship series. Shocked last night that Arizona put away the Dodgers and yet another failure of a postseason for L.A. But this is the one I'm going to be glued to all night long, of course, alongside Thursday night football between the Chiefs and the Broncos. But Spencer Strider's on the bump for the Braves. 
And Phillies fans are going to be all over him. And I think they're going to be charged up for a game like this. Now, Bryce Harper homered twice yesterday. Uh, Might have been the most electric performance we had seen this postseason, maybe next to Royce Lewis of Minnesota in that first game against Toronto. Bryce Harper, though, has been electric. I don't know if I'm going to take him to homer in this game, but give me Harper over one and a half hits. I think you'll have a multi-hit game, and I like it coming against Spencer Strider. Now, I don't think that Atlanta is going to go down without a fight. I'm going to go with Matt Olson to homer in this game. Not going to lock it in, say it's against Ranger Suarez, but I think at some point in this game, Matt Olson is going to go yard. I'm hoping for a game five that will take place in Atlanta. It just kind of feels like the Phillies have Atlanta right on the ropes here, and they are one punch away from completely knocking them out. With Sleeper, the MLB playoffs are in full swing, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to really increase your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Ron Lacuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Shohei Otani. Pick more or less on stats for these stars, like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100 times the payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big with Sleeper. Speaking of home runs, uh, predicting a lot of home runs, we just discussed Salvador Perez and running into 30 to 35. I'm surprised I haven't done a segment on this earlier. The Royals want to add a corner outfield bat, and I don't think they want to add a bench bat. Um, You look at 2023, and it's fine. I am a big Nelson Velasquez believer. I think what they did to acquire him is worth enough for me to give him a chance. I want to see what Nelson Velasquez can do over 162. If he never replicates what he did at the tail end of last year, if he's a big swing and miss guy and can't run into the home runs anymore, okay, I've got my answer. But he's 24, 25 years old. I do think, though, you need some insurance. You need some insurance in that lineup because the outfield depth is so slim right now. You're banking on MJ again, Kyle Isbell, Nelson Velasquez, and Drew Waters to be your four. I think JJ's going to want a bat that you can plug in there every single day and take one of those guys off and be a 80 to 90 game player. And now I kind of think the perfect fit would be Jorge Soler again. Now there is something that could contradict that because I believe in that press conference to end the year and correct me if I'm wrong, let me know in the YouTube comments. Let me know in the Twitter comments. I believe JJ said they did not want to build this team based on power and home runs. That's not how they play into the ballpark. But if I'm looking at corner outfield bats, it's not a great group. But I think Jorge Soler would be worth taking a shot on again. Uh, He's got that tie. I thought he was really fun to watch in Miami this year. Had 36 bombs, an OBP of 341. And remember, that, that great year he had in Kansas City, that career year with 48 bombs, 117 RBIs. I mean, he had an OBP of 354, and then he goes to Atlanta after slashing 192, 288, 370 with Kansas City. 358 OBP last year, not as good in 72 games, but this year he was an all-star. The question remains, what does Jorge Soler want? Does Jorge Soler want to play in the postseason? Does Jorge Soler want to stay in Miami? I think by all accounts, that would be the best bet, uh, that he wants to stay in an area that he thrives in. He loves Miami. Again, I believe he works out in Miami. He worked out in Miami 
when he was in Kansas City. But this is something the Royals should consider, at least. I mean, if you're going to add a corner outfield bat, go get somebody with some serious pop. Um, and I think the Royals have done this, and more so in the Dayton Moore era than the J.J. Bacola era, but they want guys they have connections to. They don't want to always go out and bring guys that have never been tied to Kansas City, and so there's a pretty good tie to Kansas City. He could also look at it and go, a two-year deal, you know, I'm going to be 32. I've spent 10 years in the bigs. Who knows how much longer I have because I'm not a great fielder. I'm coming off an all-star year. So maybe I want to capitalize on this. Maybe I want to go to the postseason and go play for the Dodgers. That's not saying much about the postseason, but they'll get there. Maybe he wants to go to uh, the Cubs again, give himself a fighting chance. There's always those possibilities. Or he wants to stay right at home and go back to the Miami Marlins. But his contract is up. And I always thought it was a pretty good contract for Miami when they gave him the two-year, $27 million deal with a 24-player option. So he's got the player option coming up. But I'd imagine Miami's either not going to have him back or there's going to be an opt-out, something like that. The Royals could really, really use a bat like that in the lineup. I know J.J. Piccolo said that he doesn't want to build this lineup on power, but I think when you are discussing, and, and we've heard this so many years, I feel like corner outfield bat has been a Royals desire on the wish list for five years and every corner outfield bat they've acquired has not been good enough to even make it through the entire season now Solaire I think is at the tail end of his prime it gives me hope that he was an all-star this past year uh, ran into nearly 40 home runs you need that in the lineup you can say you don't want to build your lineup around power but this is a bat that absolutely makes the one through nine better. There's no denying it whatsoever. I mean, if you want protection for your top of the order guys, I mean, if you have Michael Garcia leading off, Bobby Wood Jr. and Vinny hitting three, well, you need a guy like a Soler hitting fourth. And we just discussed Salvador Perez and the potential of a trade to Chicago. If you trade Salvador Perez, you can't throw Nelson Velasquez in the four hole. Hell, you can't even throw Vinny Pasquantino in the four hole because he's coming off season ending injury. You know, you need somebody that can really strike fear immediately into the opponent. So I don't want to face, you know, Jorge Soler with a runner on. I got to give Vinny Pasquantino more to hit. That's going to boost his average. And even Salvi, the tough thing is, Salvi had a down year. So he's not always the best option to hit cleanup. This is a guy that I think you can get on an affordable price. And if you want to give him a two-year deal, you can always trade him at the deadline. He hits his tail off going into July. You know, he gets into the home run derby, just kind of a flash thing right there. But he's on pace for 40, 45 home runs. You can flip him. A team has him for an extra year of control. It's not a rental. That's why I think it makes sense to me. See how it handles. You know, he's got the, the player option in 2024. I just think he's going to be a free agent. I really do. Miami got one really good year out of him. Now it was this last year. But Miami may want to get younger there. They may want to spread their money around more. Offense was not the problem, really, I would say. Now, there were some holes in that lineup. But some of those guys are going to improve. A, a De La Cruz, a Jesus Sanchez, a Jazz Chisholm. Those guys are all going to improve 
And maybe they want to tailor to that. They got a young rotation, young lineup. Does Solaire continue to fit that? I guess we'll see in this offseason. But if he comes, if he becomes available, I would like to see the Royals at least give him a call. See what he's thinking. He's already got ties here. Maybe it would be great for him to come back and be the cleanup hitter once again and match his home run record or break it. I'm just saying, you want a corner outfield bat, Jorge Soler is not a bad outlet to go to. The last thing I want to dive into is in the American League Central again. The Twins were eliminated last night. Do I think this is the first of five years of a competitive window for Minnesota? Or was this a little bit of a flash in the pan? Can the Royals compete next year? Or is Minnesota just far better than them? I'm going to tell you coming up on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the other title sponsor today in Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I had the chance to watch both of the games last night. Now, I was more so invested in the American League side of things with Minnesota and Houston, and also the Phillies and the Braves got out of hand after Harper's three-run home run early on in the game, which he might have hit to Mars now that I think about it. Uh, crazy to think that we're almost to the championship series in the Major League Baseball season, but I think it's going to be a doozy. All Texas on the American League side, and it's going to be Arizona trying to be the biggest underdog I have really seen in the last five years get to the World Series, but they'll have to go up against either the Atlanta Braves or the Philadelphia Phillies. But I started thinking to myself last night when coming up with segment ideas for today's show and, and involved Minnesota. What I saw from Minnesota, what made them great this year, and if it is going to be repeatable in 2024. The thing with Minnesota that is going to be you know, wildly debated all offseason long is what they do with this rotation. Okay, they're going to have Pablo Lopez back. They're likely going to lose Sonny Gray. Uh, Joe Ryan really tailed off at the end of the year. And Bailey Ober, I thought, looked very human by the end of it. Uh, Bailey Ober, I think, is a really good number four, number five for Minnesota. But who knows if he can replicate what he did in 2023. But Pablo Lopez is your workhorse. He's your ace. He showed it in the regular season. He showed it in the postseason. But we've also seen from Minnesota lots of inconsistencies. You know, I remember the, the Bomba squad they had in 2019. You know, still have the record for home runs in a season. Unless I'm forgetting that Atlanta broke it. I think Atlanta came very close, but I believe it was Minnesota that still has it. Never had pitching. Then we saw in the COVID year, kind of an obscure year. Then 2021, you know, a Minnesota team that was not nearly the same. Last year, not very good with Correa. This year, really good. Now I'm starting to wonder if Minnesota, who has shown before, you give them expectation, they're not really going to thrive. My big concern for them, A, is health. 
Um, if they had Byron Buxton healthy all season, I think this is a team that wins 90-plus games, gets a higher seed in the postseason, you know, really could contend in the championship series. Buxton can't stay healthy. That's the reality now. They were DHing him and only letting him play the field once a day or once a game in a series and just to, pre to prevent him from injury. And injuries still happen. He pinch hit last night and popped up to first base, but that's all we saw from Byron Buxton. Royce Lewis, their superstar. Now, if you didn't get a chance to watch the postseason, think Bobby Witt Jr. for the Royals. That's what Royce Lewis is to Minnesota. He can't really stay healthy. When he is healthy, he's fantastic. He is a joy to watch. He's one of the best young phenoms in all of baseball. Injuries concern me, though, for Minnesota. My big question is, what if Pablo Lopez gets hurt? and you don't have Sonny Gray back in the rotation. That's when things get a little bit difficult. Their bullpen, uh, they're probably going to lose a few guys here and there. Not going to lose Johan Duran. Still going to have your closer, and I would put Minnesota as the favorite to win the Central. The big question in this segment is, can the Royals compete with Minnesota? And we discussed this earlier in the week, that competing in the Central, I put at the second most important bullet point going into the year. Number one was you got to start hard, hot in April. Got to start hot. You cannot afford a slow start in April. Number two for me was finding a way to compete with the top dogs in the Central. Top dogs are probably going to be Minnesota, Cleveland, and Detroit still ahead of you. But if you can compete with them, you saw Detroit's record against the American League Central. They were like 15 to 20 games over 500. That put them in second place. That allowed them to compete because they were so good against divisional opponents. Minnesota, to me, is a team that the Royals can compete with. We saw them sweep Minnesota this year. And I think the edge that Cleveland, Minnesota, and Detroit all had over the Royals were bullpen. So when you played any of those teams on the road, you fell behind late. Uh, they had that game locked down. If the Royals led late against any of those teams on the road, they probably couldn't lock that game down. That's what I think it's going to come down to. Uh, if the Royals can revamp their rotation, maybe you can line it up against the Minnesota lineup. There's a lot of young talent. Um, you're going to have Carlos Correa back. I'd imagine Jorge Polanco is going to be healthier. Who knows about Max Kepler, but you have Alex Kirilov. Um, going to lose likely Donovan Solano, who was playing first base last night. I mean, Royce Lewis, you're going to build around. But Minnesota, to me, is all dependent on health. When they are healthy, they're by far and away the best team in this division. And it's by a significant margin right now. Cleveland's not really close. They don't have the offensive power. And Detroit does not have the offensive power as well. Minnesota, though, is a team that I think you go into 2024 just gauging. And it's almost like a viper striking its prey, striking a rat, if you will. And that's maybe a terrible comparison calling Minnesota a rat because the Royals certainly aren't a viper. It's actually the other way around. That's what Minnesota did this year is that Cleveland was kind of that rat at the right time when the rat wasn't expecting it. They struck, ran away with the division. But that's to me how a lot of central teams are going to look at Minnesota. And let's maybe call them a wounded animal, not a rat. I feel like it's a terrible analogy for a really good baseball team. And the one that showed everybody in the central, you are far beneath us. But it's a wounded animal. And maybe we'll call every other team in the Central a Viper or a Tiger or whatever you want it to be. But 
when an animal is wounded, that's their easiest time to, to be killed. That's the, the time where the viper strikes, or the time where the lion or the tiger strikes. And that's how I feel like a lot of teams in the Central are going to be gauging Minnesota because they are a team that gets hurt, or just it feels like it, gets hurt more than anybody else. And it's their stars that get hurt. I mean, if you get to June next year and the Twins are without Byron Buxton, they're without Pablo Lopez, they're without Carlos Correa and Royce Lewis, that's when teams would strike. Now it's when we have to build our five, six game lead, put them back into third place, fourth place, fifth place. I just don't know if Minnesota is that team from start to finish to control the division. They didn't this year. Cleveland was on their tail for a while until Cleveland bottomed out. And that to me is what is so important with competition, with how the Royals can compete. Now, if they have the great luck all year long, which nobody really does, the last team I can remember in the center that had just pure luck in terms of health was the 2015 and the 2014 Royals. Now, the 15 Royals lost Greg Holland, but they were pretty much healthy. Lost Infante in the lineup, replaced him with Ben Zobrist. But for the most part, teams in the central, they'll get banged up. They'll get hurt. Cleveland always has injuries to the rotation. Minnesota always has injuries to their lineup. And that's going to be where Detroit and Kansas City are the teams going, maybe this is our time to strike a little bit, catch them off guard. I still have Minnesota as my favorite. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a runaway division. But I think Minnesota, after what I saw, how impressive they were in the postseason and at the very tail end of the regular season, they're a team I'm not going to say is going to fall back or they're going to take two steps backward. But if you are going to get them, that's how I think you have to go for it. You don't just hope and pray that all these guys don't play well next year. And you don't hope and pray for injuries. Certainly not saying that. But injuries do happen in this game. And I feel like the only time any of these teams can kind of compete with Minnesota is when they do have some guys get banged up. You know, they have a guy with you know, a sore upper body. Uh, can't make that start. Uh, you know, Byron Buxton's not playing the field all the time. You know, Royce Lewis uh, dealing with some pain. You know, stuff like that. It sounds morbid and I promise I'm not trying to say that oh you go into this season going that's when you strike when they're hurt it kind of sounds like that but what I'm trying to get at is this Minnesota team is more talented than you are they just top to bottom one through nine are more talented the only way the Royals can compete is if they just aren't as healthy all year long that's what we've seen in the past with Minnesota when they're not healthy they're not a first place team they're not a division winner that's what I'm getting at here more so of history Minnesota went healthy they're going to win the division Minnesota if they can't stay healthy they're probably not going to win the division, depending on the severity of those injuries, how long guys are out. But we'll see. Right now, you're going to worry about competing against all of those teams, not just Minnesota. But they are a team that you have to play at least 500 ball against if you are going to be contending going into September. That's going to do it for another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. We're going to have our mailbag segment I'm going to send it out tonight on Twitter. So, again, be sure to follow that Twitter name, and we will answer all of those questions in our mailbag segment tomorrow morning. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.